back. <laughs> That's not art. We're on. We're on. Is there still snow on the ground up in Sault Ste. Marie? No, no. It's all, all gone. gone. It was there for a long time this year. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a, a cold spring. Actually, the reason I'm saying that is because I thought it was funny. The um, I don't remember the artist's name. You sent me a, a, a link to him. I don't know him. And he has a piece that was kind of a tribute to the steel workers, or steel mills and, and that in Sault Ste. Marie. Yes. Yeah, and I noticed there was snow on the, just a little bit of snow on the ground in that picture, too. So I think it's pretty typical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in uh, London... You're always uh, in the tropics compared to us. It hasn't felt like that this year. It's been pretty cold. But, yes, we, we lost our snow. Uh, well, this year it was really late still, but not. Uh, you probably just lost it last week. We were probably yeah. two to three weeks ago. Yeah, there's still snow in, in uh, the forest, but uh, around our house it's finally all gone. There was a little tiny patch that stayed there forever. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little surprised that you um, aren't watching the hockey game. No, I don't like hockey. Okay, I didn't know that. It's just Dave. I'm sure he's glued to the television. Oh, yes. Yes. And Jonathan, yeah. Jonathan's a fan, right? Jonathan is not too much into it. He's well, he a little was. bit into it. I thought he was because I know that I've seen pictures Dave put of him um, going to games and stuff. Yes, he goes to game with with dad. He goes sees the hounds downtown. Right, right, right. Well, that would probably be a little bit more exciting, too, to see it live rather than on television. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So our topic for this week is uh, public art, or we could call it uh, architecture, or we could call it earthworks, or site-specific sculpture, or... Big, big art. Big outside art. Yeah, you had sent, um, you had sent that document when we first were talking about doing this and had a few different ideas for different episodes. And, and the one that we were sort of focusing on with this, well, it, it was that, but it was also kind of art in unexpected places. And I, I, I find that interesting too, like the idea of art being there that people that are not really paying attention or maybe not that artistically inclined, they don't even know that it's art. Mm -hmm. and, a lot of, and a lot of public sculpture is that way. It could be there for a long time and people don't really pay attention to it. True. It just becomes part of the landscape somehow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I notice it myself, but I'm probably more in tune with that than your average Joe, shall we say. Yeah, um, I uh, talked a little bit uh, with Angeline. Uh, Angeline listens to us. Um, she really likes our podcast. So she's in our program. Um, and uh, she mentioned that they had studied Sarah, um, that he had made um, a, uh, a sculpture in a building that was blocking the entrance and he had to take it down. Did you know about that? Yeah, that was the um, uh, UN Square. And, and it's an outside sculpture. It was one of his giant curved arcs. And it went diagonally across the whole plaza. 
And uh, it was interesting because it was a rather offensive piece of art. I mean, I like him as a sculptor, but I think that was a real statement to block that, to put that across there. Um, but what was interesting was this was during the Reagan administration in the U.S., and it was a very strong um, sort of move, move, movement, I guess, from, from the right wing in the U.S. to, you know, this whole idea that that's not art or that shouldn't be there or yeah. or... I could do that, you know, that sort of sentiment about these things. And there was, and that was one of the things that they actually spent a whole bunch of money to get rid of that. Now he didn't have to remove it. He was, he was pretty pissed off about it having to be removed, but they took that thing down and just made it into scrap. Yeah. That's, that, that's an interesting, <laughs> really is. And it was, um, again, I, I think that it wasn't necessarily the best, um, the best place to put a big piece of public art like that. But, uh, and, and people I think were somewhat, um, annoyed by it um but at the same time uh, it's just interesting that they because he, he, he would have gotten a very large grant to do that piece in the first place um and and then you know many i don't know how long it was up for it was probably up for at least five years i'm sure i don't know when it was commissioned but it was in the early 80s that that happened and there was really strong anti-art sentiment in the u.s at the time from mm. and that was that, kind of a, that happens a lot i think that happens a lot that um, artists um, put put up um, some some strange huge structure, and people don't like it. Uh, yeah. I, I can I can think of the Georges Pompidou Center in in Paris, uh, which people wanted you know to destroy, right. and now it's it's so well known and it's liked and everything. And when would that have been? That's a lot. That's like. Like what, like a hundred years ago or something like that? I'm not sure. I don't. I don't think it was a hundred years ago. I, th I think it was in the '60s, but I'm not well, sure about that. But that's just a quick Google. <laughs> who was the artist again? I I, I wasn't. I didn't... It's the building um, in France, the art, the Museum of Fine Arts. It's called the Georges Pompidou yeah, yeah. Center. I've heard of that. And it has, uh, like, um, staircases outside, and it shows, like, big pipes, and it's all, like, the building turns turned inside out. Oh, I've seen pictures of that, right. And so it was, and there was a lot of public outcry about that. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, and that's more of an architectural piece. And, but, I mean, I, I think art and architecture are kind of very interrelated i mean especially when you get into like you know these fancy design buildings and that they really are giant works of sculpture right mm -hmm. like the, you know the bilbao museum guggenheim in spain right i mean that's just like a work of art the building right they actually all of the guggenheim museums are like that as far as i know oh frank gary yes yeah uh there's one and uh yeah bill bilbao bilbao yeah i think that's the name yeah the big silver one yeah, and um, the other artist I can think of is Maya Lin. She did the um, Vietnam Memorial. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really uh, important piece too. People I, hated it. Yeah, at first. Well, people, there, there was a lot of bad feelings just about the Vietnam War in general, right? And I think that would have had a lot to do with it. And even though it's a, it was a, um, what do you call it? A tribute, I guess, to the to fallen soldiers that's what it was right it had all their names on it yes i think there was still this feeling in 
when that came out in the United States that, you know, Vietnam veterans were really not very respected compared to other, because they didn't win the war, right? Or I mean, that's kind of a debatable point too, but we don't need to get into that. But <laughs> 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 so that's getting off topic. But but that I think that's a very important piece of sculpture. But that's still there, though. Right? That's in Washington, right? Yeah, it's still there, and it's the most visited site. Uh, I was reading about it. Millions of people visit it every year. So, and, and it was interesting too because you had brought up in your um, little pre-show, pre-podcast uh, blurb that there's very few women that make this. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find women uh, that. There really aren't that many. The other one that is, uh, who makes really nice work that, that is outdoor and public is Louise Nevelson. And you mentioned Louise Bourgeois. Oh. And oh, you mentioned Maya. Yeah, those are like the three main ones. And there's another woman that I've heard of named, I'm not going to say her name right because she's Polish and she's got a lot of letters in her name, but it's like Magdalena Andrewowski or something like that. And she makes pretty nice work. And some of it has fabric in it, which is interesting. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think you'd quite like it. Outside? No, more of her inside work. She's got outside works that are like a lot of, uh, they're sort of figurative stuff. I don't know that much about her. I really couldn't talk. I just, I, I just remembered those are like the only four women that I could think of that were, that make these large public art installations, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's, kind, of, it's kind of unusual. It seems to be, as you said, a very masculine thing to put this giant piece of steel <laughs> in front of a plaza that people want to walk across in some cases. That's not a very, Nice thing to do, I don't think. I, I, I think it is. Yeah. But you could argue with me about that. Oh, no. Well, I, I like it. I mean, I like it. I like um, the, the, the kinetic element. I'm thinking like Calder. Kinetic. Um, I don't know. I, I like it. I find that some of it I can see it being kind of sterile, maybe, and not that interesting. Like, what did you think of that piece that you sent me? The one in, um, uh, the one that's in Sault Ste. Marie. That's a very Lou, typical, Lou, very Llewellyn Davis, the yeah, yeah. Aroma yeah. Blue. Yeah. It's a whole bunch of beams, um, kind of stuck together almost like, uh, what's that game with the sticks that the. Or like Meccano, even. Remember Meccano? Uh, yeah, but there was a game like you would play with sticks and you'd hold it in your hand and you'd let it go and then you'd have to retrieve the sticks. That sounds like a crazy Quebec thing. <laughs> no, it's not a crazy Quebec I, I'm, thing. It's I'm, like I'm, a Chinese thing or a Japanese I'm thing. I'm pulling your leg. I'm just joking. <laughs> I, had, I had a slice of tortier for dinner, so. You had, you had a what for a dinner? Slice, a slice of tortier for dinner, so I. I had Quebec oh, on. can I help you with the pronunciation of that? Tortier? Tour, tour. Okay. Tourtière. Tourtière. Oh, I knew that. I knew that. Tourtière. I've just hmm. been uh, away from French-speaking people for too long. <laughs> no, well, I don't have enough people correcting me. I, I don't mind uh, at all. Um, at least you know what a tourtière is. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, what do I think about Algoma Blue? Well, I, it's, my uh, perception of art has changed a lot since I started making it. Uh, I think it's a huge education. Uh, 
but I think even for somebody who would say, what is that? That's not art. They would walk by it and it would sort of come become part of the the their landscape somehow and they would start looking at it as part of of the city i think that it just kind of sort of starts growing on you after a while no matter what you know yeah i agree and i think it's the sort of thing that if it suddenly wasn't there people would probably say a lot more about it than they say about it being there because <laughs> yeah. i no, I think you're right. It, it blends into people's lives and they're used to it being there. And I, I mean, I don't know. I've never seen it in person. It's just, it just really struck me as um, a, a very typical piece of that kind of structure made of beams and like, um, I'm probably not going to be able to think, but there's so many artists that work in that sort of, with those sorts of um, materials. Like, uh, what, what do you, what do you mean about kinetic? You mean that it's oh, no, that using that. space in a, in an, um, it, there's movement in there I would, for you? You know what? I was thinking about Alexander Calder's paint um, sculptures that are actually moving, yes. So I, I, that was kind of an... I, I probably shouldn't have said that because <laughs> that's not really what we're talking about. But there are, he has some big outdoor mobiles as well. I'm just, I think that he's done. But I've seen oh, mobiles. Oh, I think I don't know what you're talking about. Those are more... His, his kinetic work like that are more indoor work. So, but I'm sure... I think I've seen some pictures of outdoor stuff as well. But his work's pretty neat. Is that Alexander Calder you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, he's he's really he was a really talented and I think a very nice man. I, I read a bunch of stuff about him back when I was really fascinated by art. He just seemed like the guy that everybody loved. His art is so playful, and you know he painted a jumbo jet once. Wow. He didn't paint it, I guess, but he designed a jumbo jet that was painted in his screen. And they had they had it painted to look like. Uh, it was like a giant piece of, I don't know if you call that a sculpture or a painting or what, but, but they, they look it up sometime and the, there's pictures of it. It's really incredible to see. Maybe we'll oh, look. I'm, I'm so going to go look at, at this stuff. It, it looks so cool. Oh, yeah. If you like him, uh, if you like him, uh, that's, I think it's, I, I, I like everything I've ever seen by him. He has a really wonderful sense of balance and vision and color. So what uh, building do you like? Like you say that you you find that architecture is is art. It's funny. So... I, I I find a lot of like just newer buildings that get put up. I can see that they're putting more emphasis on the architectural element to it. I mean, I think in the, typically they might only spend ten percent of the budget on architecture, right? And the rest of it's all everything else. But yeah. I, I think for ten percent, you're going to get a pretty simple building. But if you spend a little bit more than that, you can start to really get some design involved involved in it. And I, I, I'm, well, I mean, the Bilbao um, Guggenheim Spain is a great example. But I mean, that's kind of on the that's the top of the heap, right? I'm thinking even of some buildings that I used to see around, like Ontario. There was a um, what's the name? It's a, a building like in um, like kind of around Kitchener Waterloo and the. A Delahat and Touche building. It's this. It's like black, and it has like an orange, like horizontal piece connected to it. It was just like a, you know, an accountant's office, but it was really nicely designed. And so I see things like that, and I, I think that, you know, the the landscape could be a lot more beautiful than it is sometimes. And you see some of the things that get put up. They're just there's no design whatsoever to them, you know. And I mean, I I don't know. I think about like I, I took a trip to uh, being an engineer. I took a trip on that with uh, my class back in school many many years ago now 
to Chicago. And there are so many beautiful architectural buildings there. Like the Sears Tower is, it's fairly, I, I don't know, maybe you'd call it utilitarian or it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not really, doesn't have like beautiful lines or anything. It's very straight up and down, but I think that's really cool. And the, the John Hancock building is another incredible one, which is interesting. It actually tapers as it goes up. And what they do is you can actually, I think the higher levels of it, if I, if I remember correctly, are, um, because now you've got smaller floor space, so they've actually got people living on the upper parts of it, whereas the lower parts all offices. Because you can't have, you can't put apartments into, you know, into a, a whole block. Yeah. You would have built one room in the middle that would have no, no windows in them, kind of thing, because it's just so big. But anyway, it's a cool building, um, I think. And I'm trying to think of one, even. In, I mean, there's some great architecture in Toronto. I think some of those tall buildings. I mean, that was kind of what. Um, made me want to become an engineer, really, when I was really young, going to Toronto and seeing these tall buildings and thinking, man, I can't believe that we can build these things. They're incredible. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I once I took engineering, I I, uh, I realized pretty quickly that probably structural engineering wasn't the best place for me to be because of the liability involved and because of the, oops, oops, that's my place. The CN Tower just fell down. No, I <laughs> just kidding. I just ended up with, you know, different interests. But, uh, but certainly that though these large buildings and architecture, and I think in a way that's what probably prompted me when I was young to be interested in in art period. Like I didn't, I don't think I knew it at the time, but I think as I, as I started making art and a lot of what I did when I made art was very linear pieces with hard edges and color field painting. And it's very much drawn from a drafting kind of background rather than from a, a drawing background, if you know what I mean. No. That's a, that's a, you're bringing up color field and, um, I had, um, an interesting conversation with, um, with somebody who works at uh, the art gallery and, um, I, I just, he loves color field as well. And I asked him why, why, why would you remove yourself completely from, from any emotion really? Um, he said, yeah, it's a pretty cold place to be when you're, um, painting in that style. Yeah. Uh, and I said, why, so what do you want the viewer to take away from this? You want the viewer to get it. it that's it, right? Like you want the viewer to get that it's not, you don't, in order to make art, you don't have to paint a pretty apple or a horse or you know, something like that. You just want people to get that art can be just about one stripe across like that, right? That's it. Well, we get it. Now, is, is that okay if we just move on? Or, like, why continue in that? Uh, and I was just trying to understand. And he was... Um, yeah, he, he just loved it, and it seemed like all the guys were all gathering together and sort of, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, I love this, yeah, yeah, that's so cool. It's like this machine that, <laughs> that guys have built or something, and it's like color field theory just gets you on the walls of art galleries. I don't know, like, uh, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but... I don't know if it does it so much anymore, but at one point it was um, probably a little bit more cutting edge than it is now. Now it's, 
You know, it's interesting though because I I did a lot of different types of color field painting, and I don't think that my paintings are cold because I tended to use very warm colors, and and I found my a lot of the paintings that I did to be more um, like playful actually. Mm-hmm. So I don't I, I I but I know what you mean though. Like there's certain ones like Robert Ryman or or I guess we're kind of getting off topic here, but but um, you know there are certainly people that would be in that field painting that say it comes I, I'd call that more minimalist almost than color field but but yeah, yeah. I, I can see it being cold but the thing that's interesting and this is funny because I'm just before I'm talking to you I'm, I've been watching um, Halt and Catch Fire I don't know if you've heard of that no it's a television show on it was on AMC last year and it's about this is going to sound really thrilling but it's about the cloning of the IBM computer Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I started watching that. Uh, Well, the reason I'm bringing it up is because the office that they're in is filled with color field painting. Yeah. And I'm I'm just watching that, like, as I'm I'm thinking, I've got to figure a way of getting this into this talk tonight. (laughs) But but so it came up without me bringing it up. Well, maybe I started it, I don't know. But in any case, what I found... what I found interesting is that there's some things in it that I'm seeing that I, I wouldn't have thought of. Like, so there's always a new thing that you can do, even though you've got like a certain limited, um, I don't know, not palette, but limited, uh, like it's color field painting, right? It's, it's, it's kind of limiting a little bit, like it's stripes or whatever, but there's a couple that have like, like circular elements to them and stuff that I hadn't thought of myself. And I thought they looked really good, but I do like that stuff. I'm with your, your friend at the art gallery. I've, I've, uh, I, it's somehow it speaks to me. I don't know. I like color a lot. I like, um, when I first started painting myself, it was a lot of experimenting with color and trying to, to understand how different colors look beside each other. And so it was almost like every one of these things that you're doing is almost a, an experiment, a study. And I guess you could argue that about, about every painting that you've ever made, right? But, no, but that's true. Like the eye, the eye does things with colors. So, uh, I remember I just painted a, uh, on a very green, like neon green, pukey neon green poster. I, I uh, drew some pigs and I used only gray pastels and the pigs uh, looked pink from just doing that, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I think that forcing yourself to limit, like, in terms of, you know, trying to become a better artist and to understand your own ideas and thought processes better to, to do those sorts of exercises is the most important thing you can do, I believe. Yeah, we did, well, we did do really some work. color theory in, in my uh, drawing with color this this term, and I, I was okay with it because you sort of have to know this if you're in a program, in a, in a fine arts program, but... My my gut feeling is always to throw that out and just use what feels right. You know, like I just take my palette and I build it with what feels right to me. I'm I'm an emotional painter, so color theory, color field theory for me is is like well that's cute. Now let's move on. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it was like, how many coats of that, like that red, can I keep putting on the canvas? Like, I'm actually I'm staring at, I'm, I'm staring at a picture right now that I painted. I don't know what year, and I I remember I had that one like it was stapled to the wall. It's, a, it's about uh, I don't know, 
It's about four feet, a little bit four feet across and maybe about five or six feet high, about five feet high. It's a fairly big painting. And I remember just putting on the red, putting on the red. Every day I did that for like a month. I put on at least 30 coats of red on it. It just, I think it's, I think it's a great painting. I'll take a picture of it. I'll take a picture of it. I think I love it. But but I've got other paintings that I would not say are great paintings. And in fact, I, I think it's my favorite painting of all the ones that I ever did. And I've got other ones that I kind of like, but most of them I, I think are, most of them I think I was somebody who probably should have been doing it for a little bit longer and really developing the ideas. Because this one that I'm saying that I liked is one that I worked on for at more of the end when I kind of no longer was making paintings. I should get back into it, really. But anyway, we're not talking about, we're not talking about, about public art. I see a connection between color field painting and, and a lot of these when I'm making them, and I've got another one that is to my right, two in the room that I'm in, and it was almost like a um, a plan for a, a piece of public sculpture, actually, and it's a color field painting, so there is a connection. There must be. Yeah, and so it was kind of, and, and actually, to come back to that Richard Serra piece, it was almost one of his, like, it was a curved arc, but it was going to be colored panels instead of solid steel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll take a see if I can get a decent picture with my phone and send it to you, so you can see what I'm talking about. I don't really have any good documentation of any of the work that I ever did. Do you do that? By the, by the oh way? yeah, 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 yeah. Always, always taking pictures. I'm, I'm. It's like an obsession, you know. Uh, everything I make, I take a picture. Yeah, I did. Uh, and, and I take pictures during the process, which most people don't like. Because they don't like uh, showing a painting that's not finished or, you know, that they're working on because it's not quite right. But I do it all the time. I take a picture. I stop and I take a picture and uh, I share it on Facebook. I make uh, albums and I just put it in there and I think that there are a lot of people that have told me that they don't comment, but they've been well, watching and looking and telling me, Hey, Isabel, keep posting those. I like the art. I like to see your progress. Well, I think that's a good thing to do for your own um, development because, honestly, to me, the thing that I've seen with, like, you know, us sort of amateur artists, that's the biggest problem is people don't know when to stop. They want to they make each painting into such a big deal that they can't just say, this one's done, let's start another one. And I've seen that. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I've so, grown so if you had that documented in the process, I think you'd be able to very clearly say, this is where I screwed this up. <laughs> yeah, I was able <laughs> to do that. Sometimes I, I know like my ex-mother-in-law used to, uh, she, was a, she was an oil painter and she would always work things too much. And I would see her paintings when, she, when they were, kind of in progress like she did a lot of um uh what do you call it um like portraitures of, of her grandkids and stuff and i would see them when they were like in progress and i would say stop painting that right now like that is a beautiful painting because she had a good sense of like drawing and stuff but the problem is that she didn't really have the ability to like she would put too much paint on and it would become muddy and she'd, yeah. like, she'd still have the back shining. Like, the thing glowed. It looked like a watercolor, even though it was an oil paint. I thought, wow, that looks beautiful now. Like, don't do another thing to it. Put it on the wall for a while. And maybe maybe it needs more. I don't know. Maybe it's not totally done. But don't just keep working on it. I, 
I was always of the, of the theory that you should be working on many pieces at the same time for that very reason. Yes, absolutely. Have you, um, to get back to our, our sculpture topic, have you, uh, has that been something that you've done in your, um, in, in, have you done sculpture, I guess, like in your, with, like in your education? No, we don't do 3D, unfortunately. We, I had one uh, course that was called Eccentric Object, and I did little uh, sculptures with wires that I soldered together. I learned, I, I taught myself soldering just, just with little copper wire. Um, but that was it. Yeah, no sculpture, no. How about you? I have, um, I'm sorry, I just had to run over to the door and I heard animals scratching at it. So I was oh. listening, I was listening to you still, but I was my song distant. I was playing. I'm back now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I never really experienced. I never really had that much of an interest in making three dimensional stuff. I think. I don't know I like it when I see it. I, I I've got. I mean, you know, I've. I've known a few people through the course of my life. I've met people that were sculptors and I've seen their studios and thought, wow, this is so cool. But boy, it's a big undertaking. Like to be a, to be a real sculptor, you need like a big space. But I suppose you don't have to be making everything on a grand scale, right? That's where that machismo stuff comes in, right? The male. Uh, uh, I think that's what it is. Yes, <laughs> you're right. I, I was thinking about this and I think, it's uh, men want to have big studios and make big art, and that's what's uh, selling, and that's how they make their money, and that's how they, they, they become famous. But I'm thinking a lot of these people, I think they inherit some money, or they inherit a space, or they, you know, uh, they're the son of a shipbuilder or, you know, something like that. How they do it. I mean, some people certainly have worked in the trenches to get where they are. I, I think, like a guy like Richard Serra is a good example. I mean, he, he he came from a long history of making this stuff and doing it on every scale that he had to. And in order to make these large scale work, he really worked up to that. I don't think he was inherited anything. But no. yeah, I don't really know his history that well. But, uh, but yeah, he's got a lot of public public pieces out there and, and a lot of really big pieces. And he works in shipyards. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's interesting, though, because there's three-dimensional art that can be smaller and very successful and interesting. And I, I I mean, we talked about these big public sculptures, metal things that are seem to be all men that make them and very few women. But at the same time, there are lots of women that make sculpture, but it doesn't tend to be the big outdoor stuff. Yeah, I just That's wonder cool. if it's maybe a, a case of the size of a, of the space that you can have. Well, I remember, I'm just thinking about this, another interesting piece of um, outdoor art that I remember reading about, and I, I should look, I should follow this up, but there was a woman that made, that was taking houses in... Detroit, like burnt out, not burnt out, but um, abandoned houses, you know, because Detroit just basically, Detroit is abandoned. And she was like filling them with concrete and then taking all the outside walls away. And so having like these casts. Made. 
Oh my goodness. No way. Isn't that cool? Uh, yeah, I remember reading about that. I just, I don't know what made me think of that. But that, that's, a, that, I don't know who the artist was, but I remember it was a woman and it was a big piece of outdoor art. So there's another one. And then the other one that I saw that was really cool was, it wasn't an outdoor piece. It was an in, it was an interior piece. I think I saw it at the Art Gallery of Ontario. And it was a woman who made this piece and it was like a shed that had been, ex- like had a bomb exploding in it. Except she took all of the pieces of the explosion and had them like in the art gallery, like hanging from the ceiling. So it looked like this exploding garden shed. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Some people are just too clever for their own good, right? Wow. Uh, And that was, I don't know who that, I remember that was a woman as well though. So there's lots of women making great three dimensional art. It's just, it seems that these boring pieces of metal beam sculpture and stuff is mostly men. And I find some of them less boring than others, but it's not the thing that turns my crank the most about, about art. I like Richard Serra's work, but I see, I think he's on a different level than a lot of that, you know, the beam, the beams welded together stuff. Well, I guess there's, um, it's almost like building a church in a way, you know, like you're building something huge that brings, uh, awe, you know, it brings awe because you've built this big thing like bridges. Bridges are yeah, humongous. Yeah, we haven't talked about them. That's cool. Yeah, and bridges are, are incredibly beautiful things, too. They can be. I mean, some of them are better looking than others. But, like, you look at a, a bridge like the Brooklyn Bridge. It's a, you know, a beautiful piece of architecture that's been around since, well, I don't know, the mid 1800s or something like that. Oh, Yeah crazy how old these things are some of them mm. so we were past uh, the 30 minute point and i don't want to take you away oh no i'm okay i'm okay i i, I just want to make sure that we've gotten enough, enough of um discussion about our our topic on hand oh yeah we got uh, i think we got lots for for tonight um so i'm gonna say good night and i'll see you soon Adieu. Adieu. Okay.